This is World College Radio Day. Omar Essek is the Strategy Director, Content and Business Development at Red Tech News in Portugal. His remarkable story includes fighting for freedom as a student in South Africa and using the campus radio station in the struggle against apartheid. He has since helped build market-leading, multi-ethnic media in a post-apartheid South Africa, but has never forgotten his early career experiences. Nicholas Wilkerson, from William Patterson University's Brave New Radio, interviewed Essek to hear his remarkable story. Talk about kind of what it was like, A, doing radio during the apartheid era and kind of growing up in that era where, you know, a lot of uncertainty and kind of limited resources and things like that. How were you able to kind of overcome those things? Yeah. So obviously, yes, it was a very challenging time. So even as we, as students, were having a lot of fun with uh, with our radio station on campus. It was in an unusual time because while we were at university, when there were protests, and there were lots of them, you know, to try to, to win our freedom, to uh, rally to free Nelson Mandela, that was always a rallying cry for everybody across the country. The worst of apartheid that we experienced was actually at university. Because what would happen is uh, from time to time, we would have soldiers coming through to essentially intimidate students. And then the radio station changed from being a fun, entertaining thing, playing the latest music, the music that we all loved uh, on campus into a political tool to talk about the emergency. We were broadcasting and living at a time when there was a state of emergency in South Africa because the government of uh, the president, the, the prime minister at the time, P.W. Bota, uh, wanted to censor any news that uh, that started to talk about things that were really happening in different parts of our country, the violence, the intimidation, the killings. None of that was, uh, all of that was blocked out in, in newspapers at the time, and no radio station could broadcast it without being shut down or being intimidated. So we were, we were living through a time where we were young people, young people like young people everywhere. We really just want to have a good time and enjoy our studies and uh, those sorts of things. But we were also uh, facing a different threat that uh, not, you know, students in certain other parts of the world weren't facing, which is soldiers on our university campus coming in with uh, Caspers, coming in with the real ammunition, uh, intimidating us, uh, putting up barbed wire fences all over the place, uh, bringing on, uh, during the protest times, they would bring a certain type of vehicle where they would have a water cannon on it with a colored dye. So if you were part of the protesting group, they would be firing this so that it would stain your T-shirt so they can come and round you up afterward and beat you up. Uh, so those sorts of things were happening all the time wow. uh, during that period. And uh, so it was a combination. So the radio station ended up having a mul multiple purposes, one of which was, of course, just to entertain and, and have fun and play the latest music and keep everybody um, uh, you know, sort of connected in that way as a community. But the other purpose, very important purpose that it had was uh, during specific uh, moments throughout our university year, our calendar year, there would be certain days that we would mark out, you know, obviously, you know, one of the most important being Youth Day, June 16, in South Africa, where we would, obviously, the station would turn into, from a music radio station, it would turn into a station that would teach you about that history. Mm -hmm. So all the presenters, we would play protest songs. Uh, incidentally, for example, the, uh, the Stevie Wonder was banned on radio stations in South Africa at the time wow. because of his uh, outspokenness and, you, you, you know, the songs he sang about freeing Zimbabwe and so on. We would play those songs. So we would get, we would find uh, bootleg copies of it and, and, and play it 
uh, on campus. But of course, the campus also had what we call special branch spies at the time. So you always knew that somebody was listening who would uh, rat, rat you out. And uh, some of the people who were, were part of the Student Representative Council would get uh, intimidated. I remember seeing a couple of uh, the people, the students who were part of the leadership there, taken out of their offices by gunpoint. Guns at their head, dragged to, uh, taken away to police headquarters uh, to be intimidated, beaten up, uh, threatened, essentially to get uh, people to comply. That was the way the uh, the weapons of the state worked, even in a on a university campus like ours. So nothing was immune to what was going on around us. And obviously, students, most students weren't aware that uh, this was happening because of all that censorship. But some did know. And those that did were the ones that um, that started to use, you know, the platform of the radio station to let others know that this was going on. And it was obviously a very difficult time because we were constantly being shut down as well. Right. And that's, it's truly amazing to be able to overcome all the adversity that you guys were going through at the time. You know, seeing your classmates getting taken out at gunpoint and different things like that, that had to, I'm sure, take a toll and kind of make you think. So kind of talk about personally for you, what drove you forward and kind of motivated you to continue even seeing, you know, the the government and, and things like that try to hold you back? What for you personally was it that helped you continue fighting the fight? Yeah, I think the the one fortunate thing for people like me was that we were it, we were growing up in the late 80s. So while there was still this rampant uh, oppression and intimidation and uh, the threat of violence hanging over you, we were also at the very edge, just as I was leaving university after my degree and my, my postgrad teaching diploma, as I was leaving university in 1988, I've been teaching for a year, maybe two years, and then the talk was all about the fact that uh, Nelson Mandela would be freed. So had that not happened, I can tell you I would have had no career in radio. Were you more prepared, do you think, because you had that kind of college radio background? So were you more prepared to kind of get into the business and things like that? I was better prepared, without a doubt, because I knew I could do it. I mean, uh, which is one, which is the thing that inspired me to go and try out at, at, you know, at a professional radio station to look at it as a potential career. The fact that I worked on radio, college radio, campus radio at the time meant that I, firstly, I fell in love with it. I love the idea of, you know, just having a rapport with people, uh, talking about music. Uh, like most young people, we, you know, just adored the music at the time. Oh, yeah. And so I wanted to do something associated with that. And so this was the opportunity. So no question about it. Had I not done that, I wouldn't have been bitten by the bug so strongly mm-hmm. to be, you know, to be inspired to try out and, and, and create a different career from being a teacher. Mm-hmm. That's how eventually I started. The theme for College Radio Day this year is Voices for Peace. And I think it's uh, fitting that we're having this conversation now, you know, with everything going on in the world and kind of seeing the role that students have had in the past with, you know, you and your station during the apartheid movement and kind of what we're seeing now with students building up with different movements that we see around the world. Um, So just a question for you, do you feel that when it comes to Voices for Peace, that it starts with the youth and it starts with students and kind of um, continuing with that? Without a doubt, without a doubt. The energy that uh, students in my time had inspired me. I wasn't a leading light. I wasn't somebody who was at the front of that struggle. I, I, was, I wanted to be in radio. <laughs> and just watching uh, young people around me uh, managing that battle, you know, being inspired to join them, being led by people who knew what was going on much more than I did. 
I was still sort of subject to the, all the censorship around me, but there were people in our group who knew the reality and the truth of what was happening in the time. Those voices and the energy of youth, wherever there have been changes in society, they've been led by people who are energized by a better society, by a vision of a better society that can create. And young people are perfectly placed to, to lead that. Um, one of the things we do, one of the things we look for at the place I now work, Red Tech, we're always looking to hear the voices of young people and what they're doing in radio, what they're doing in audio on demand, podcasting. We're really interested in their stories. We want to feature those stories because our, our particular publication reaches over 20,000 uh, radio and audio professionals around the world. We have big markets, obviously, in the US, UK, Canada, Australia, but also in India, in Malaysia, in Brazil, in Argentina. So young people who want to know about this business called radio, we do an inside podcasting feature where we feature podcasters who tell us how they got started, how they keep going. So there's lots of ways that if you want a career in this space, this is a great redtech.pro. That's www.redtech.pro. And you can learn about what's happening in the industry. It's a lovely way to get started. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for the invitation. Really appreciate it.